like the best type of introduction you could ever have. The man basically stands up and spontaneously combusts in the Holy Ghost. All right. So, very good. So, yes, do go along tonight if you can go along and hear Peter. He is, uh, well, anyway, you know. You know, he's awesome. You know why um, some of you, this won't necessarily make sense to you, but the reason that he got smoked talking about apostles and prophets is because of Ephesians 2.20 says the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Tucker and Kate will have to plant or lead a church. The reason he gets smoked over the idea of apostles and prophets is because even though they're not doing it at this point, you know, because they're doing this and they'll do this for for a significant period of time, but there's a church in there. And so what just caught fire and exploded in him was the church. When he said apostles and prophets, something in there just went, and that's what happened to him. <laughs> ah, okay. So, who wants to know God's call on their life? Who doesn't know what God's call is, and you're still praying and trying to, you know, hear from God and work it out? Who doesn't necessarily know what you're called to do? Put your hand up. Okay. Who does know what you're called to do? Awesome. Great. Okay. It is impossible to know what you're called to do without knowing uh, about what I'm going to talk to you about today. And the topic we're going to talk about today is something that we tend to only talk about with um, older people. We talk about spiritual gifts, and mostly we talk about spiritual gifts with people kind of my age. But spiritual gifts are even more important when you're young because you're trying to work out what you're called to do with your life. And so we say to you, you need to know what you're called to do, but we don't tell you what your spiritual gifts are or how to work out what your spiritual gifts are. So we say to you, go find what God's called you to do, but we don't give you the biggest key to work out how to work out what you're called to do. Did that make sense? Or some of you are looking at me like, you had too much caffeine this morning and you're talking too fast. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 anyway, no. Okay, so I'm going to talk to you about spiritual gifts. Uh, for it's, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be really brief. But there's a couple of key verses you'll need to make note of. Now, some of you, you might sort of sit there and go, oh, this is, this is a little bit more teachy, but this is very, very important, okay? Whether you choose to get it is always up to you. Like, like right now, you might go, oh, I just, you know, and that, if that's what you choose to do, that's what you choose to do. But you, otherwise, you just lock in and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get something, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn something. I'm, gonna, I'm, go, I'm going to be helped by this. So in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, it says this. There are diversities of gifts. That means lots of different gifts, but the same Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God works all in all. Now listen to this. But the manifestation or the gifts of the Spirit are given to each one for the profit of all. So what that means is every single person in this room be you a believer or a non-believer, be you full on for God or not so full on, every single person has spiritual gifts. It is impossible for you to not have spiritual gifts. Every single person has spiritual gifts. And it says the spiritual gifts are given for the profit of all. Notice they're not just for your profit. And it doesn't even say they're just for the profit of people that go to church on a Sunday. They are for the profit of all people. 
So God has come along and he said, I'm putting gifts in you. And those gifts are to help and benefit everybody else around you. Now, I really like that song that's come out on the new Bethel album uh, called For the Sake of the World. I like the idea they sing, for the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me. Now, I like the idea of having a burning heart, but I like the idea more of the fact that my heart burns, not just so I can go, oh, I have a burning heart and I enjoy it, but that my heart burns for the sake of the world. It's the same with spiritual gifts. You have spiritual gifts and those gifts are not just so you can walk around going, oh, 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 I have spiritual gifts. Those spiritual gifts are to help other people. Does that make sense? Now, when I was, is, is anyone in the room here 20? Is anyone 20? 20, okay. You're 20? Wow, I'm so old. It's amazing, eh? Like, does that make you feel old? As an older sister, when your younger sister is 20, you're like, you know, like my younger sister just turned 40. And I'm like, how did my younger sister turn 40? And then I look in the mirror and go, oh, yeah, that's right. You're really old. It's funny. People go, don't you wish you were 21? I go, hell no. I'm so glad I'm not 21. God bless you if you're 21. Enjoy it. But see, the cool thing is, each stage in your life, there's more to enjoy. I'm loving being 44. I'm thinking 45 is going to be quite fun too. And you're like, oh, I'm not scared of turning 50. Or sixty, you know, because at the end of the life, guess at the, end, at the end of the life, guess what happens? You see his face. Anyway, but I'm not. I haven't got a death wish. Don't don't get me wrong. Like, oh Christ, just tell me now. <laughs> when I was twenty, I used to think I was God's gift to the church. Oh yes, I am God's gift to the church. Now I'm forty-four. I know I'm God's gift to the church, and so are you, but I know it a whole different way. So you've got something, listen to me, you've got something in you that we need. And I've got something in me that you need. That person beside you has something in them that you need. And we owe a debt to each other. And the debt is to use our spiritual gifts. Now, <clears throat> 2 Timothy 1.6 says this. Okay, so number one, you've all got spiritual gifts. All right? Say Amen. Amen. Turn to the person beside you and say, I have spiritual gifts. Turn to the other person and say, you have spiritual gifts. Turn to someone else and say, they've got more spiritual gifts than you have. No, no, don't do that. Okay. All right. So now you've got spiritual gifts. What do you got to do? 2 Timothy 1.6 says this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of hands. So what Paul is saying to Timothy is he's saying, I remind you to fan into flame. Listen to me. It's not my job to fan your gifts into flame. It's your job. It's not your job to fan my gifts into flame. It's my job. All right. So you've got spiritual gifts. And now what you've got to do is fan those gifts into flame. The only problem is how can you fan them into flame if you don't know what they are or which ones you have? It's not Tucker's job. It's not... Kate's job, it's not Tiffany's job, it's your job to fan them into flame. Do a lot of people run around going, oh, it's just my spiritual gift, if only they would fan, it's not their job, it's your job. So you owe me a debt, and I owe you a debt. The debt that we owe each other is 
to use our spiritual gifts for the profit of other people. And then we have to do this. Fan into flame the gifts of God that are within you through the laying on of hands. Now, watch this. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Don't switch off just because it seems a little bit teachy because I'm going to talk for a short time and then we're going to pray about the spiritual gifts and ask God to just come and nuke them all. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given each to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then encourage. If it's giving, then give. If it's leading, lead. Does that make sense? So what this is saying is there's two applications. Let's say you have a spiritual gift of leadership. Okay? If your spiritual gift is leadership, guess what you have to do? Lead. Don't sit around like being all bashful and, and trying to, trying to, you know, be, be, be all sort of, you know, sh- oh, I'm, I'm j-. if your gift is leadership, use the gift. Do you understand? God expects you to use the gifts you're given. The flip side is in Romans 12, 8, it says if a person's gift is leadership, let them lead. It also means let's talk about this culture here within, within this youth church. Let's talk about this. It says this. If a person's gift is leadership, you've got to let them use it. How many of you know that Tiff over here has a gift of leadership? It's as obvious as obvious. Like if it was tattooed across her face, it would not be any more obvious, would it? Hello, are you here? How many of you know she's got a gift of leadership? So guess what? You've got to let her use it. You've got to let her be a leader. All right. Um, uh, how, how many of you know, um, um, who's, so, who's someone, who's someone that's prophetic? Who's someone that's got prophecy revelation type gifts? Jules. Okay. Let's pick on Jules. Who did you say? Elise. Which one's Elise? Hi, Elise. How are you? Are you, are you, are you related? Yeah. See that often happens too. Okay. Okay, so let's say these two young ladies have prophetic revelation type gifts, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. It says if your gift is prophesying, you have to. Look, come on, it's not hard. It doesn't say if your gift is prophesying, go swim in the lake. It says if your gift is prophesying, then do what? Prophesy. It says if a person's gift is prophecy, let them use it. If someone has got gifts of prophesying, you've got to make space to let them use it. It's silly. I've been, I've been in lots of churches with, oh yes, we love prophecy, but they never make any room for anybody to prophesy. You've got to make room. So number one, if your gift is prophesying, prophesy, prophesy. But it also says you've got to make room for people to use their gifts. There's two applications there. Okay. Hello, you right? All right, okay, radio. All right, don't get too excited. I don't want you to hurt yourself. See, I'm just warming you up for Peter Robertson because that's the sort of thing he says. Have you noticed that? He's, 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 my, he's one of my spiritual dads, and I'm very, when it comes to that sort of thing, I'm very much my father's son. You know, like sometimes I listen to him preach, and I'm like, wow, 
I do some of the same things, you know, like, some, don't you love it when he comes, he's, he's in that feisty mood and he just gets up in everybody's grill? Don't you love that? All right. How many of you have heard the testicles quote? From Peter. Who's heard that? Who's heard that one? This has always been like every internship I've run, the, all the internships, particularly that I ran in Nelson, this was their favorite quote. Peter Robertson said this, he said, under the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, men with crushed testicles were excluded from the priesthood. Okay, I know it's awkward. Okay, testicles is not a good out loud word, is it? I mean, come on, let's be honest. All right. He says this, under the Old Covenant, men with crushed testicles were excluded from the priesthood. How come under the New Covenant, men with none at all occupy our pulpit? And I'm like, ah, oh, I love that. Josh, Josh was sitting there like. Anyway, back to this. Okay, sorry if that seemed a little rude. I'm going home shortly. It's like, it's like the last one, you feel like you can just do whatever you like. Because I'm about to leave. Fear not, I'm about to leave. Okay, so. Everyone has spiritual gifts. Everyone is required to use their spiritual gifts. And we are required to make room for people to use their spiritual gifts. So we need to know what the gifts are. And we need to realize this. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says that Jesus gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Listen, these are the fivefold ministries. Apostle, prophet, Evangelist, pastor, and teacher. These are like the senior leadership people within the church. All churches need to have all five of these. We need to have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I haven't got time to go into it, but every one of these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have a role in raising up, activating, validating, and releasing spiritual gifts in the church. I'll come back to that. I'll give you an example of it. We've got a guy in Tauranga that I've talked about. He's a big, tall Australian fellow by the name of Stephen Hansen. He is a five-fold prophet. Last week, I think I told you, at the uh, towards the, well, we never quite know when the end of a meeting's going to be, but towards the end, I gave him the microphone and he just went into fiery, prophesying, turbocharged, nuclear blast ministry for about 45 minutes, roaming around on a cordless microphone that meant he could go wherever he likes. I can go this far. And he roamed around prophesying over people. People were sitting there with their, like, 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 like this, you know, just like, you know, I had people come up to me afterwards because we have a lot of visitors right now. When you plant a new church, heaps of people come visiting. It's hilarious. And they just get smoked. And these guys, he prophesied. I had people coming up to me and going, who was that? And how did he do that? How did he do what? How did he come up and tell me all that stuff that he couldn't possibly have known any other way than God told him? I said, you just answered your own question. God told him. Now, he gets up. And he launches into prophesying. Every person in the church with revelation gifts 
catches fire on the inside. He's a prophet and when he starts prophesying, all the jewels and all the Elisas and all the people with revelation gifts sit there just like, Aah! because it ignites their hearts. The week before when Seth came, Seth is an apostle. All the people with gifts that relate to the apostolic ministry like miracles, healing, leadership and faith. When he gets up and he's roaming around, they're all just sitting there like, oh, I love this. Because there's a five-fold apostle coming in, igniting the spiritual gifts. We get a young fellow by the name of Jordan. He is a fire-breathing, five-fold evangelist. He's an absolute soul-winning machine. He goes roaming around. He's only like 23 or 24, and he goes roaming around Tauranga, leading people to Jesus. And when we get him up to preach, he stands up and he starts speaking as an evangelist. And all the people with evangelistic type gifts just sit there like, oh, I love this. Can you see we need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers because they ignite different parts of the body. Now, we need all the fivefold in our environment, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, but we also need all the spiritual gifts. How many of you know you have spiritual gifts? How many of you don't necessarily know exactly which ones you have? Okay, that's what I want to help you with. Because what happens is, most of the time we work out spiritual gifts by doing an online survey. Okay, you can go online and you can do a questionnaire. Now look, I'm not knocking that. The only thing I would say is that they are spiritual gifts and spiritual gifts have to be discerned spiritually. To me, working out your spiritual gifts just by doing an online survey is like trying to drive your car on the ocean. It doesn't quite work. Cars are made to go, boats are made to go, but boats are made to go on water and cars are made to go on land. Surveys online are really good if you want to know, say, if you're running, if you're the boss of Air New Zealand, you want to know how happy your passengers are, you do an online survey. They do that all the time. But if you want to know your spiritual gifts, an online survey is only going to help you so much because they are spiritual. And so I'm just going to start reading through the gifts and telling you what they are. And as I go through the gifts, what's going to happen is some of you are going to sit there. And as I talk about the gifts, there's going to be certain ones and you just suddenly go, ooh. Something in here will just go bloop like that. You know, something will just, you know, did you like that? Bloop. <laughs> something in there will jump. Why? Because Psalm 42 says deep calls to deep. God wants you to know what your gifts are. So my advice, and again, it's up to you because, you know, some of you haven't slept very much and, you know, and it's, it's been, it's been, you know, it's been, it's been a long, hard weekend. Isn't it amazing how short camps are? You can sit there like this. Like you, look, look, it's entirely up to you. You can sit there like this. You can just go and switch off for the next 20 minutes. That's fine. But I don't think you're going to find your spiritual gifts that way. You know what I mean? Like I say, okay, God, show me my spiritual gifts. I, I don't think you'll find them. Okay? But if you sit there and go, okay, God, speak to me. Do something in my heart. I want to know what my gifts are. Then if something jumps in you, what you need to do is write it down. You need to make note of it. 
So here are the spiritual gifts. If you want Bible references, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 is where the spiritual gifts are listed, okay? 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Number one, there is a gift called teaching. Teaching. The spiritual gift of teaching is the ability to take information, say from the Bible or information about certain things, and to put it in a certain way that you can release it to people and they get it. Spiritual gift of the teacher. Number two. There is a gift called serving. Now, how many of you know that we're all called to serve one another? Okay, we're all called to serve, but then there are certain ones among us and they have the spiritual gift of serving, which means something just happens and ignites in their heart when they get to serve. These are the ones who love to get behind the scenes and just make things happen. You know, a classic example, in my opinion, of someone with a gift of serving is Nat McClay. When, when we moved to Lower Hutt, I couldn't believe, like, he just, he just loved doing stuff behind the scenes, filling up trailers with massive subwoofers and, 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 and keyboards and, and, and setting up lighting rigs and dangling off ladders. And he just loved that. And I was like, and he, 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 you know, I mean, you know, like anybody, he get a bit grumpy from time to time, you know. We all do that. No, you know, I, you know, you know. Yeah, I'm not being rude about him, but occasionally, you know, you get a bit snippy. We all do that, especially when we drive our cars. But he is a classic example of someone with the gift of serving. Then there's the gift, the spiritual gift called encouragement or exhortation. Now, in the world, we think encouragement is this: Oh, Mary, good on you. Oh, you're just doing so well. Good on you. But that's the gift of slimy. The gift of encouragement, the word encourage means to give courage to. The gift of encouragement is not just about running around with pom-poms being a cheerleader. <laughs> I'm not going to act that out. Um, the gift of encouragement is, listen, the ability to speak words or even, you know, you can write them down. It's to give courage to people. There are people you get round, and when they speak, oh, you just, courage comes into your life. You are strengthened and encouraged, and you're like, I can do this. Number four, the gift of giving. How many of you know we're all called to be generous? We are all called to be generous, but then there are people, I believe my wife has this gift, and they just delight in giving beyond even what is normal. We're all to be generous. And I believe even more so in a revival culture, we should be the most generous people because our hearts should be more alive than anybody else. I want to be a generous person. But there are ones among us and they have the spiritual gift of giving. I'm not going to say uh, who this person is, but I know someone somewhere in New Zealand who has given literally millions of dollars into missions. This is someone who God prospered and this person has literally, I'm not, not even figuratively, literally has given millions of dollars into missions. And I'm like, it's so exciting. And you know, the funny thing is, the more this person gives away, the more they have. You can never outgive God. The more they give away, it's just like, it keeps, 
You know what Tasha and I did last year? We started giving more. We increased our giving. And all year last year, we were giving more and more and more and more just kept piling up. It was the craziest thing. The more we gave, the more we got. The more we got, the more we gave. So the more we gave, the more we got. So the more we got, the more we gave. And it just kept building up and building up to the point where we got to the end of last year. And we had this great big pile of money left over. So then we gave more. And this year, this year it's not been so much on the money thing, but I've just had this crazy year where people keep giving me stuff. I told you about that, eh? You know, new MacBook Pro. You want a new MacBook Pro? Sure, I have a new MacBook Pro. I've got a new MacBook Pro, new iPad, two pairs of sunglasses. Yeah, it's just been crazy this year. Yeah, I've got some of those awesome Bose noise-canceling headphones. On a plane, those are people-canceling headphones. You put them on, and all the people disappear. Okay, that sort of sounds very unsociable. Number five, mercy. There is a spiritual gift of mercy. Now, we're all called to be merciful, but there are ones, and they, these are the ones who walk in when everyone walks out. Think about high school. You know, when you go to high school, if there is someone who is a bit of a misfit, someone who, who is a bit isolated, or someone who doesn't necessarily fit into the mainstream, the person with the gift of mercy is the one who will walk away from the main group of people because they've got a heart of mercy towards that one. Does that make sense? These are the ones. They've got the, the, their cry is, the voiceless need to have a voice. These are people that will often even jump on airplanes. They'll, they'll hear about Heidi Baker and what she's doing in Mozambique. And they're just like, I just want to go over there and cuddle children. I just want to get over there and pour into these children. People with the gift of mercy. I've got some very good friends up in Tauranga who are in the process of adopting uh, an orphan from China. And this is often what happens with people with the gift of mercy. They just have this burning desire for mercy to be given to people. Number six, the gift of healing. The gift of healing, listen to me, is the supernatural ability to lay hands on people and to see them made whole. Now, we're all called to lay hands on the sick, but there are ones among us. And they just have the anointing to lay hands on people and they get better. Not just physically. Sometimes you need to get better mentally. Sometimes you need to get better emotionally, to get better spiritually. These are the people, when they lay hands, it's like, Who's ever laid hands on someone that had a headache or wasn't well and they didn't get better? Anyone frustrated about that? I want, to, I, I want all of them to get better, don't you? In fact, I need, I need not 10 out of 10. I need about 12 or 13 out of 10 now because I've got to make up for all the ones that didn't happen in the past. So I wind up with a 10 out of 10 average. Jesus had a 10 out of 10 average. He said, greater things than these will you do. So we need to at least go beyond a 10 out of 10 average. At the moment, I'm, I don't know, maybe two out of 10. So I need to lay hands on lots of people, but I need there to be overflow, right? Now, who's ever had this happen? Someone comes and says, will you pray for me? I have a headache. You pray for them and the headache doesn't go away and they wind up with a sore back and a broken foot as well, just about. You know, like they get worse. Has anyone ever had that? Who's ever had that? Listen, if you pray for someone and they get worse, don't stop because the moment something changes, it means something's moving. We go like this, oh, I'll pray for you about your headache. Oh, how are you? Oh, now I've got a sore back and I've got sore legs and my ears are blocked. 
And we go, oh no, I better not pray for you anymore. And you go, no, something's changing. Even if it got worse, keep going. Something changed. The moment something changed, something's moving. I know people, they just pray for people, they just get healed. We need people with the gift of healing. It's a supernatural gift. What about this one? Words of knowledge. Ooh, words of knowledge. You know what the gift of the word of knowledge is? It's the ability to have information you couldn't have got any other way than God told you. Words of knowledge are when you speak something and the person is like, how did you know that? I sat with a guy the other day. His name's Tony. He has the gift of the word of knowledge. You know what he's able to do? He's able to call people out, tell them that he's, people he's never met. He can tell them their names. He can tell them where they came from. He can sometimes even tell them what their phone number is and why they came to the meeting. And people just sit there like, that's the word of knowledge. It is the supernatural ability to unveil secrets. Sometimes I have the gift of the word of knowledge. Well, not sometimes. I have the gift of word of knowledge. Sometimes that gets used. And I remember once being at a youth event. And as I walked out, there was some, you know, there was some of the young people that hadn't really been in the meetings. They'd more just sort of been hanging around outside. And as I walked out, I said hello to one of them. You know, I'm a friendly chap. I said, hello, how are you? And this girl said, get away from me, you freak. And I was like, she's like 14 years old. She said, get away from me, you freak. I said, why do you say that? She said, I saw what you were doing in there. And I don't want God to tell you something about me that I don't want you to know. And I was like, yeah, man, come on. You can run, but you can't hide. You know, like that thing. When you've got the gift of knowledge going on around you, it's literally like that. You can run, but you can't hide. And it's not just about people. You know, the gift of knowledge is just about walk, not just about walking around going, I see sin. You know, <laughs> It's the ability to find the treasure in people's lives. It's the ability to dig out the gold in people's lives. The word of knowledge. Here's another one. The word of wisdom. The supernatural gift of the word of wisdom. Do you know how the word of wisdom often works? Tell me if this relates to any of you. Who's ever been in a situation where someone came to you for advice and while they were telling you the problem, you were thinking, I have no idea what I'm going to say. But when they stopped speaking, you opened your mouth and words started coming out and you were like, I've never heard this before. Boy, this is amazing. Who's ever had that? That's the word of wisdom. It's supernatural problem solving. It's the ability to speak solutions from heaven into problems on the earth. It happens. You really know what I'm talking about. Eh? You know, like where the person, who's ever had, like when they're telling you their problem, you're sitting there going. I don't know what to say. And then they stop and your mouth just starts speaking. And while you're speaking, you, you, you almost think, I need to record this. <laughs> Who's, who knows exactly what I'm talking about? Who's had that happen? That is the gift of the word of wisdom. Here's the next one. A bunch of you have this. It's the gift of prophecy. Ha, ha, ha. Prophecy. You know what prophecy is? Prophecy is the ability to declare one reality in the midst of another. Did you hear me? 
Prophecy is the ability to declare one reality in the midst of another. Let's do it on a really basic level. How many of you believe that Jesus will return to the earth? Okay, that's prophecy. He's coming. You know, yesterday when we were sitting there and the room started rocking, I'm sitting there in the room and I'm not, I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking, oh, earthquake. I'm thinking Matthew 24 says before he comes, he's going to be an increase of earthquakes. Do you know since the year 2000, there has been a 500% increase in earthquakes? 500%. That's not a Christian made up thing. That's according to the U.S. Geological Survey. They measure earthquakes all over the earth, 500% increase. So when the room was shaking, you know what I was going? I was thinking, he's coming. Not like right now, you know, but every time there's an earthquake, it's saying he's coming. When that happens, that's prophecy. But prophecy is not just that general thing. It's the ability to say, in the future, this is how things will be, and you are able to declare it, even when it's not currently there. Now, I don't know. Were any of you there last time Peter Robertson came and he talked about three streams? Prayer, missions, church. Three streams coming together. You know what he's doing? He's traveling around all over New Zealand, blaring that out. Three streams will come together. What's he doing? He's declaring one reality in the midst of another reality. That's what it means to be prophetic. Number, f- whatever we're up to. What are we up to? Ten. Fear not, there's only five more to go. The gift of discernment. The gift of discernment. Now, the gift of discernment is not just the ability to go, oh, those pants go with that top and look really cute. How many of you have that? How many of you don't have that? See, this is, see, a lot of guys' hands went up there, okay? This is why we marry wives. Because my wife taught me that you don't wear stripes on your t-shirt that go this way. I am, but that's why I've got a hoodie over it. See, I can't take it off because now I'm breaking the rules because I've got stripes this way and stripes that way. The gift of discernment is this. It's the ability to see, hear, and feel what's going on in the spiritual realm and to know what to do about it. The gift of discernment. Now listen, the gift of discernment, again, is not just about the people that run around acting like they can tell where all the demons are. I know a lot of people, they do this. They're like, oh yes, I feel demons. Yeah, good on you. They're probably in you, you idiot. There's something about speaking here that makes you say things you don't say anywhere else. (laughs) Seriously, I just, I tell you, I I don't know. I feel, maybe I feel too at home. Listen, how many of you know in the spiritual realm, there is the kingdom of light and there is the kingdom of darkness? Which one are you more interested in? Light. So when people start running around going, oh, do you know what the devil's up to? I'm like, who cares? I want to know what the Holy Spirit's up to. I want to know what the angels are doing. The gift of discernment 
is sometimes about knowing what the devil's up to, but it's primarily about knowing what the Holy Ghost is up to. I don't want to walk into Queensgate and go, oh yes, I think the devil is busy here. I want to be able to walk in there and go, Holy Ghost, what are you doing? Whose life are you moving on? Who do I go talk to? What are you up to? Not to walk in there and go, oh yes, I'm walking past, what's a, what's a shop full of demons? Cotton on. No, I'm with him, cotton on. No, no, I don't, I don't even know. What is cotton on? Is that a place, what is cotton on? Is that a clothes shop? <laughs> nice, that was, that was awesome, mate. Awesome. Okay, so listen. The discerning of spirits is the people that can tell what God is doing. Remember I talked to you about Mother Jones and she could tell when someone had the anointing and when they didn't? That's the gift of discernment. Let me give you an example of how this needs to work. There's a, a ministry in America that we are cl closely affiliated with. Many of you know the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. The International House of Prayer in Kansas City a month ago. Look, look, you got I've got to tell you, I've been there. There are some amazing spiritual, discerning people there. But you know what? About a month ago, they found out they'd been infiltrated by 15 people from a cult that were trying to take it over from the inside out. Cut a long story short, one of the guys from this cult who was on an internship in Kansas City killed somebody. There was They killed somebody. And the crazy thing is, even in that environment, where there are more spiritually minded people than just about anywhere on the earth, still they didn't see this. And I'm not saying that as a criticism because I was just, that, the way I looked at that, I was like, oh Lord Jesus, we need discernment. We need to be able to see, number one, what you're doing, but we also need to not be blind to that which the enemy is trying to perpetrate. Hello? Kirk has the gift of discernment. When I was youth pastor and Kirk was, you know, and we were doing stuff together, there were things that he could see that I can't see. He has the gift of discernment. Some of you have the gift of discernment. It's the ability to know what's going on in the spiritual realm. Number 11, interpretation of tongues. The gift of interpretation of tongues is, uh, is, is it, there's, two, there's two ways this works. Number one way is someone stands up and has a Shandi Bandi Mahatma Gandhi. Okay, they stand up and they shuck him a Honda and they cut him asunder. And then someone else stands up and they can interpret it. Now, I used to be in a church when I first got saved. I used to be in a church, a charismatic Anglican church. And every Sunday at the end of the worship, so all the youth in that church always sat on this side. So it was youth and then there was the rest of the people. And there was always an old fella who sat sort of actually right round about where you're sitting, mate. There was an old fella. He would sit there. And at the end of the worship, he would stand up and he would go off in tongues. Oh, Shandi Bundy, Karamasanda, Shakarahutai. You know, like he would speak in tongues. And then there'd be a pause. And then there was an old lady who would sit on this side and she would stand up and she would interpret what he'd said in English. And I used to sit there going, yeah, right. He just shundy bundied and then she made something up. 
How many of you would do that in that situation? How many of you skeptics, you'd do that? You'd be, ah, yeah, good on you, mate. Yeah, I don't believe you. And then one day God called me on it. When he stood up and Shundi Bundied, I heard it in English. I knew he was Shundi Bundying, but I could hear it in English. And then the lady on this side stood up and said exactly what I heard. That's the gift of interpreting tongues. The other gift of interpreting tongues so we had a lady in our church a few years ago. She went on one of our missions trips and she went to, uh, I forget, it was somewhere in India, I think. And she was talking to this Indian lady and they were trying to have a conversation, but the Indian lady didn't understand her and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, she just felt like the Lord said, speak to her in tongues. So she just shandy bundied at it. And the lady was like, oh, yes, yes, oh, and she was nodding and responding. And so the girl was like, so she shundy bundied again, and the lady responded. And so she shundy bundied again. Check this out. This is, this is a true story. She shundy bundied again, and the lady did this. She was like, and she shundy bundied back, and she shundy bundied, and so she shundy bundied back, and they went back and forth, and she found out later that she'd preached the gospel to her and led her in a sinner's prayer. <laughs> Interpreting tongues. Now, isn't that out? I've tried it. I've tried it. I was, I, was in, I was in the airport in uh, Kuala Lumpur, which is a big airport full of people from all over the world. And I figured, well, I'll just give it a go. Just walk up to random people. Just walk up to them and shundy bundy at them. And they just look at you and they're like, oh, sorry, I don't understand you. What do you got to lose? They don't know. <laughs> so you just go and find someone else. We did this, me and this guy Vaughn, we just walked up to about 15, 20 people and gave it a go. It didn't work. It didn't work. But for this girl from our church who went to India, it did work, and she led someone to Jesus. Number third to last, whatever we're up to. Number 12, the gift of miracles. Now, the gift of healing is specifically relating to healing and making people whole. The gift of miracles is more broad-ranging supernatural power for circumstance change, for praying for people and they get blasted. Or listen to this. In John chapter 8, verse 27, Jesus had just commanded the storm to stop. Remember they were in the boat and there was a storm and the disciples were freaking out and they woke him up and said, don't, don't you care that we're going to die? And he said, I'll take care of this. He stood up and he rebuked the storm and the wind and the waves stopped. That's the gift of miracles. Now, I'll give you an example of how this works. When we lived in Wellington, we lived uh, in, uh, in Belmont, and uh, uh, we lived in Wellington for nearly four years, and uh, no, no disrespect, but we found it a little windy. Just a little. No, not gassy, windy. We found Tiffany to be gassy. <laughs> Good comeback. But it was a bit windy. And I have a boat, and wind and my boat are not friends. And we lived up uh, on the hill, and we had a house that had one of those chimneys with a spinning thing on it. And Josiah knew that if the thing wasn't spinning and I had time off, we could go out in the boat. Anyway, there was this one uh, period of time where it was windy a lot for a long time. And the thing was just spinning all the time. And we had set aside a day. It was, a, uh, I think it was a Monday. That used to be my day off. And just I had the dark school. So we had planned to go out in the boat. But we woke up one Monday morning and it was blowing a howling gale and the thing was spinning. 
on top of the chimney. And I, I, Josiah came into me and said, Dad, can we go out in the boat, open the window? I said, look, son, it's spinning. I said, I said, no. And he was about eight. And he said this to me. He said, Dad, you told me we can do the miracles Jesus did, and Jesus calmed the storm. That's not bad theology from an eight-year-old. I said, okay, son, let's pray. Can I tell you, I prayed with about as much faith as you would find in a chocolate fish. Okay? Not a lot. We prayed together. And we said, Lord Jesus, would you make the wind stop so we can go out in the boat? And Josiah said to me, so, Dad, are we going to get the, the boat ready now? I said, oh, we'll, we'll just see what's happening. And I went off to go do something else, not expecting it to stop. And he came to me about 20 minutes later and he said, Dad, I've been watching and the chimney thing has stopped. Can we go out in the boat? Now, I thought it was just, you know how sometimes the wind's blowing like crazy and then it stops for a few minutes and it blows like crazy again? That's what I thought was going to happen. And he said, can we get the boat ready now? I was like, ah, oh, Okay. So we go down, I'm taking the cover off the bone, I'm getting it all ready. I'm just thinking the wind's going to start blowing any minute and it's just a waste of time. And then we, the boat's ready and, and Josiah said, so we're gonna, are we going to hook it up to the car now? Oh, right. So I'm hooking it up to the car and I'm thinking it's just going to start blowing again. And he, he comes out and he's carrying the chili bin with the bait in it. And I'm, like, oh, I'm just going to have to put that back. And anyway, he says, okay, so we're ready to go. And and I had this drive that was really hard to get my boat into. And so once I got the boat out, it was a big hassle to get it. And, 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 and he hops in the car. He's sitting in the car. He's ready to go. And so I'm like, oh, okay, so off we go. And we tow it down the Belmont Hill and there's still no wind. We drive down to Seaview where we launched the boat. There's still no wind. The moment you got the boat off the trailer... You've got all this work to do to get it back on. You know, you've got to get it back on. Then you've got to rinse it. And you've got to wash the trailer. You've got to flush the motor. And, and anyway, put the boat in the water. still no wind. Start the boat up. Start going out. Heading out past Soames Island. Still no wind. We went out and we fished. And then we went over to the other island. What's the small island called? Ward Island. We climbed all over Ward Island. Still no wind. We were out there for about six hours. No wind. We went fishing. We went climbing. We mucked around, no wind. We come back in, and we're coming in to see view. And as we come in to see view, there's a line of ripples on the water. And as I park the boat and tie it up, the wind starts to blow. And there's all the boats parked around there with their masts. And, and you can hear the wind beginning to whistle. As we got home, when we got back home, it was blowing a howling gale. The wind stopped just for the time that we went out in the boat. That's the gift of miracles. It's the ability to speak to things and they change. You know, see, oh, anyway, I won't give you any more stories about that. Here's one. Faith. How many of you know we're all called to have faith? The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. You cannot be a Christian without faith. But among us, there are these supernatural faith monsters that believe there is no such thing as an obstacle. How many of you would agree with me that your senior pastor probably has the gift of faith? You know what he's doing right now? There's another building that he's marauding around saying, I want that one too. I rang him up the other day and I was talking about this possibility, you know, like we got offered this building, but to get this building, we'd need $1.5 million. And, and I just talking to him and he says, yep, no problem. And I'm like, have you got this? He said, of course not. I don't have 1.5 million lying around. If I had 1.5 million lying around, I'd use it. We'd buy something and we'd knock out a wall and we'd send some money to missions. He's just a faith monster maniac. 
And we need people around us, and these are the ones who, when we come up with obstacles, they're just like, that is not a problem. Who's ever had a financial obstacle? Okay, the faith monsters are the ones that go, ha, not scared of money. Huh? Supernatural gift of faith. And here is the last one on the lift. Lift, the lift. The last one on the lift. I've developed a lift. You ready? Here's the last one. Leadership. The spiritual gift of leadership. Now, I believe all, all Christians are called to be influencers, but among us, there are those, and they have the gift of leadership. They are the ones who stand amongst a church full of leaders and lead the leaders. So here's the list. Teaching, serving, encouraging, giving, showing mercy, healing, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, discernment, interpretation, miracles, faith, and leadership. Now watch this. Paul said this. He said in Romans 11.29, he said the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. How many of you know you've got spiritual gifts? Put your hand up if you've got spiritual gifts. You will never lose those gifts. They are irrevocable. They will never be taken from you. But then Paul also said this. He said, eagerly desire greater gifts. The word greater doesn't mean better or stronger. It means more. So you'll never lose the gifts you've got. But he said, you can add to them. You can have more. So how many of you, like when I was going through that list, you were looking at that and going, there were some you thought, yeah, I think I have that. Who, who found, as I went through the list, there were some of those you're like, yep, I think I have those. Put your hand up. Who had this? You were going through the list and you were like, I don't have that, but I want that one. Here's what you do. Eagerly desire it. Do you know what? I used to have no revelation gifts. When I was first a Christian, I had no revelation gifts. No word of knowledge, no word of prophecy, no word of wisdom, no revelation gifts. Now, I didn't lose the gifts that I had because it's not like you can have five. So if you want to add one, you've got to lose one. How many are on the list? Hello? How many are on the list? 14, right? Did I say, was it 14? Is it 15? What? I got 14. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14. 14. I gave you 14. Okay, 14. Here's what I believe. Listen to me carefully. Not many people will tell you this. I believe you can have them all. I believe you can have them all. But they're not all just going to fall into your lap. There are some that you were born with. They are part of your DNA. They were part of the construct when you were made. You have those and you will never lose them. Tiffany Zonda will never lose the gift of leadership. She'll never lose it. Jules Russ will never lose whichever of those revelation gifts she has. You'll never lose them. But you can add to them. So let's think about this. Let's imagine for a moment there is someone who has the gift to teach. Oh, we need teachers. 
What happens if the teacher says, God, I want prophecy added to that, and all of a sudden they become a prophetic teacher? What about if someone has the gift of leadership? Let's say Tiff, she's got the gift of leadership. And what about if she goes, oh, I want the gift of faith and the working of miracles. So now she's a leader walking on the water, speaking to the weather and overcoming obstacles. I want them all. Why wouldn't you want them all? This is for some of you that are leaders more so. Some of the older ones. We make up a whole bunch of things and we call them spiritual gifts. People go, oh yes, I have the gift of intercession. There is no such gift. It doesn't exist. I'm an intercessor. Good, that's fine. But don't make up a spiritual gift that doesn't exist. You know what intercessors usually are? They're people with gifts of prophecy and mercy. That's what intercessors usually are. They're usually the ones who can see what needs to be done and have mercy to stand in the place of prayer until it comes to pass. Or people that go, oh yes, well, I have the gift of administration. No, you don't. I don't see administration there. Nope, it doesn't exist. You know what usually people with gifts of administration are? They're usually people that have serving and leadership together. The gift of serving with the ability to organize things and make it happen. Gifts of serving and leadership. Let's say you've got the gift of mercy. Does anyone in the room identify with the gift of mercy? Who has the gift of mercy? Isn't that an awesome gift to have? What about if we could add to the gift of mercy the word of wisdom? So you've got the gift of mercy and you're able to get alongside people, but then you've got the supernatural problem solving from heaven to speak into their situation and to bring change to it. Can't you see that would be awesome? Who feels like maybe they have the word of knowledge, that ability to just speak things that they've never heard any other way? Who's got that? Put your hands up. Don't make me pick on you because I'll start using the word of knowledge to pull you out. Put your hand up if you've got the word of knowledge. Right up, come on, up high. Don't make me come in there, Abby. All right, who else? Okay, yeah, awesome. What's your name, mate? Caleb, yeah, man, it's just, it's big on you. You got knowledge and wisdom together. You got the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. In fact, I would suggest you possibly have got all five, there's five revelation gifts. I'd suggest they're all on you. I've been looking at you all weekend going, oh, revelation gifts. You're going to go tonight when Pete's there? Yeah, you should do. You know what I mean? You've heard him before, eh? Because all the lights on your dashboard will light up when you listen to a prophet because of the revelation gifts on your life. What was I saying before I rudely interrupted myself? Word, word of knowledge. What about if you had the word of knowledge, the ability to speak unknown information? Let's say you could stand up with the word of knowledge, but then what about if you also had the working of miracles? Where you couldn't just say to someone, hey, this is your situation God has shown, but then you're able to pray for them and see it change. Or the gift of healing, where you're able to say, I see that you have this sickness, let me pray for you. Boom, they get healed. Can you see that if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, you're never really going to know who you're called to be. Because if I go back to Caleb there, let's say I'm right. And let's say he has all five revelation gifts. There's two things I'll say to you about that, Caleb, if you have all five revelation gifts. Number one, 
Those revelation gifts are going to determine the call of God that's on your life because you will have some sort of a role that involves using those gifts. You know that. Number two, chances are, if I'm right and you have all five, then you're not just called to have spiritual gifts, but you're probably a fivefold prophet. No, that's probably the case. I don't know it for sure, but if you have all five, chances are you're a fivefold prophet. Okay? So, number one. We have all got spiritual gifts. Number two, you can never lose the gifts that you have. And number three, you can get more. Why would you not want more? These are flippin' stinking outrageously awesome. Don't you look at that list and go, interpretation of tongues. Oh, I want to walk up to someone and shuck them a hunder at them and they get saved. You don't seem very excited. I'm so excited, I'm going to break the rules. Oh, yeah. You're like, my eyes, my eyes. Well, I could take the shirt off and then it would really be a problem. Oh, no, get back. Get behind me, Satan. Okay. Listen, here's the last bit. Every person has spiritual gifts. Not everyone is called to be a fivefold. And listen, we have to be okay about that. We have to be okay about that. We have to not get into this thing that goes, well, who do you think you are? Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, which means be so relationally invested you're able to celebrate what God does in someone else's life, even if he's not doing it in yours. You know, the key to breakthrough in your own life is to learn how to celebrate the breakthrough in other people's lives. When you need a financial breakthrough, the key to your financial breakthrough is your ability not to get jealous, but to celebrate the financial breakthrough someone else gets. So everyone has spiritual gifts, but not everyone is a fivefold. So let's say in this environment, if may I use you again, Caleb? Can I pick on you again? Let's say he has got a fivefold profit thing on him. Number one, that's an incredibly sobering thing for him. Anyone that's got a genuine fivefold calling knows it's a sobering thing. And they don't walk around going, oh, yes, I am a prophet. The moment I see someone doing that, I'm like, yeah, right, sure you are. We had a lady come into our church in Auckland a few years ago. I met her at the front door and she, as she came in, first words I ever heard come out of her mouth. I said, hello, my name's Christian. She said, I am a prophet of God. And I was like, yeah, right. And she wasn't a prophet of God. She was a non-prophet. She was a pain in the backside. So if he's a prophet, say, then it's a sobering and an awesome thing for him. And those of us that are not prophets need to be okay with that. We need to go, okay, you're a prophet. You're fivefold. I'm not. And I'm okay with that because it's not a competition. Bible says we, if we compare ourselves with ourselves, we're foolish. It says each one should carry their own load. Takamaitarangi has an apostolic call on his life. Number one, that's an incredibly sobering and costly thing for him and possibly also for his wife. Talk to my wife about that. It's awesome and it's sobering. But let's not talk about that right now because we'll just, yeah. 
Every time I jump on a plane and go somewhere, my wife pays a price because I have an apostolic calling. He's an apostolic man. We don't sit there and go, well, how come he gets to be apostolic and I don't? Number one, when you say that, you have no idea what you're talking about. Number two, it has to be okay for him to be apostolic. And for if you don't have the fivefold calling on your life, you go, praise God. I celebrate those that do, and I will carry the load God's given me to carry. Does that make sense? It's got to be okay. We've got to stop doing this thing. Well, how come they get something I don't? Look, I've had someone, sometimes when I go and speak on a YWAM school, on a DTS, you prophesy over people. But you don't necessarily prophesy over everybody. I have literally on one occasion had someone come up to me and say, how come you didn't prophesy over me? I paid my fees too. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Don't you realize how much trouble the guy in the book of Acts got into for trying to buy prophecy? I paid for camp. How come I didn't get a prophecy? Probably because of what you just said. You can tell I'm coming to an end now. It's starting to get, starting to get, starting to get a bit nasty, isn't it? I'm starting to get mean. The only reason I get like that is because I'm so fiercely jealous that this would be a youth ministry like no other youth ministry that exists in New Zealand because someone has to pioneer a new normal. What about a youth ministry filled with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers who are then fueling all the spiritual gifts? And what about a group of people who are after every spiritual gift? So we're not just sitting there going, oh, well, I'm just, I just have serving. You know what these people, they're like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a Martha. You know, Mary, Mary and Martha just go, I'm just a Martha. Well, Martha, God bless you. Number one, we need you. We love you. We value you. We esteem you. And what about if you got prophecy added to your serving and you could start prophetically serving? Or what about if you got serving and you got the working of miracles and when you came to the camp and there were too many people and not enough food, you could lay hands on the food and it multiplied? What about if we could start and get some extra gifts added to the ones we've got? Can you see you need to know your spiritual gifts? Because just like Caleb, the revelation gifts on his life will define who he is and what he does. It's exactly the same with you. The gifts that you have will define who you are and what you do. I do what I do because of the gifts that I have. I don't do what I don't do because of the gifts that I have. The reason I'm here is because of the gifts that I have. The reason I'm not somewhere else is because of the gifts that I have. The reason I'm planting this church in Tauranga is because of the gifts that I have. The reason that we move from Auckland to Wellington to Nelson to Tauranga is because of the gifts that I have. The reason I'm not leading a dance prophetic team traveling the world is because of the gifts that I have. Do you understand? You know, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to Wellington. We're coming in January, then come back in April, and I'm speaking at a camp called Purely Girls. All girls. A couple of hundred girls. When I was 16, I would have thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Now I'm 44. I'm not sure where I'm going. Do you know the reason I'm speaking at that camp is because of the gifts that I have. You understand? 
The reason I don't get invited to speak at some other camps is because of the gifts that I have. If you're running a camp and you don't want any any apostolic stuff or any prophesying, you don't invite me. Why? Because of the gifts that I have. I turned up in one church. I'm just about done. I turned up in one church to preach last year. And the pastor, he invited me to come because I led his son to Jesus. I'm not sure why he hadn't led his own son to Jesus, but I led his son to Jesus. And so he invited me to come to his church. And I knew some things about this church, but I went anyway. When I got there, he said to me, so what are you planning on preaching about? I said, I'm not sure. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. He said, none of that prophecy stuff. We don't do that here. I said, oh, really? He says, yes, and none of that revival stuff. And then he literally said this, and he said, really, any of that Holy Spirit stuff, we used to have that, but I shut it down. And I'm sitting there going, really? And then he launched it, and he said, no eschatology, none of that last days, Jesus coming back stuff. And I said, okay, right out. And so he said, I'll see you at the end of the service because he didn't stay in the service. He went up to his office and watched it on closed circuit television. It's the weirdest church I've ever been in. I've been in some weird churches, but that was the weirdest. And so I'm sitting in the front and I'm saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to ignore everything that he just said. <laughs> and I'm like, and I was like, because I understand leadership. I was like, but God, he's the pastor. And you know what God said to me? He said, I'm the owner. Tonight I did. I preached about eschatology. I preached about revival. I shuck him a hundred and I prophesied over every person I could get my hands on. And then, do you know what happened? Someone came at the end of the service. Someone came and said, the pastor would like to see you in his office. And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And I got up and I sat in my office. I sat in his office and he sat down and he said, that was fantastic. I loved it. Will you come back every Sunday night for the rest of the year? I was like, what? He said, that was awesome. I loved it. I went back there four more times. I disobeyed his orders every single time. But anyway, why was I saying that? It's a fun story though, eh? How many of you have got something in you? If, if, like, if I was a pastor and I invited you to come and preach and I said, Caleb, I want you to come and preach in my church, but no prophecy. How many of you would just be like, Sure thing. How many of you have got a bit of that in you? How many of you have got a bit of that? Like when I was a youth pastor, remember I told you, I told you when I was a youth pastor, I got told no praise and worship and preaching to young people. How many of you, you got a little bit of a, yeah, <laughs> who's got that thing in you? The moment they tell you not to do it, there's something in you that says, now I really want to do it. You see what I'm saying? Because you're a bunch of weirdos and freaks. Amen. Praise God. Amen. It's because you're not born for the status quo. You're born for revolution. It is in you. And your life will be determined. The direction you go will be determined by the spiritual gifts that you carry. You want to know God's call on your life? Start with your spiritual gifts. Okay. Let's close everything up. Close your books. Close your everythings. Is that all right? Makes sense? Good. And what I want you to do is I want you I want you to stand up and we're going to actually do it without a music team because I want the music team to be a part of this too. So we're going to do it a cappella. 
Josh is going to hum for us. <laughs> no, sorry, there's no anointing on that, brother. <laughs> oh, now we're talking. I feel the spirit. I'm not sure it's the holy one, but... <laughs> Okay, here's your, here's your job. Here's your job. Just for five, five minutes, you're going to get your heart set on the Lord. And I want you to open wide the doors to your life. Just open wide to Jesus. You say, Lord Jesus, I'm standing before you. Revelation 3 says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in, have fellowship. Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would release a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the room. And I'm asking, Lord, even as I just read through this lift, list, there it is again, lift, list of spiritual gifts, I'm asking, Lord, that you would release fire on every spiritual gift. I'm asking, Lord, that we would even have physical reactions in our hearts and in our spirits. Lord, that you would speak to us, that we would know our spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, would you release fire as I release, as I, as I name these gifts, would you release fire on each one of them? Just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. The doors to your life wide open. It's like, like a sailboat putting your sail up to catch the wind. I'm just going to read the list. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you release fire on the gift of teaching? Wherever there is teaching, Lord, put fire on it. Lord, would you release fire on the spiritual gift of serving? That wherever there is serving, I'm asking, Lord, release fire on that most excellent spiritual gift. Release fire on the gift of exhortation, encouragement. Put your fire on that gift. Wherever the spiritual gift of encouragement or exhortation, Lord, put fire on it, I pray. Lord, would you release your fire and your anointing on the spiritual gift of giving. That supernatural generosity and pouring out of resources. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Lord, would you release anointing and fire on the gift of mercy. Touch those that have the gift of mercy. Put your fire on the gift of mercy, I pray. Lord Jesus, would you release fire and anointing on the spiritual gift of healing? Oh, this could get messy. Lord Jesus, would you release by your spirit, release fire on the spiritual gift of the word of knowledge. Wherever the word of knowledge is, oh, put your fire on it, I pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, release fire, I pray. By your Holy Spirit, release fire on the word of wisdom. Shukaramandusat. Oh, dear. Oh, I'm just getting smoked. Oh. oh, God, would you release fire ah. on the spiritual gift of 
prophecy. Put fire on the gift of prophecy in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Put your fire on the spiritual gift of discernment. Put your fire on the spiritual gift of interpretation of tongues. Sikara Mandisa. Ha! I'll look out for a couple of you this incoming on this one. Oh, Lord Jesus, would you put fire and anointing on the spiritual gift of the working of miracles? Oh! <laughs> oh, look out. Lord Jesus, would you release anointing on the spiritual gift of faith? Oh! Ha! 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 Look out. Here comes one. Lord Jesus, release fire on the spiritual gift of leadership. Ha! Ha! Okay, now we're just going to do the fivefold as well. Might as well while we're here. <laughs> just keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't get distracted by Tucker or anyone else being nuked. Lord Jesus, would you pinpoint and release fire on the fivefold teachers? Yeah, in Jesus' name. Would you release fire and put your anointing on the fivefold pastors? Ah, thank you, Lord. Put your fire and your anointing on any that are called to the fivefold evangelist. Thank you, Lord. Would you cause fire to fall and to touch the heart of everyone called to be a fivefold prophet? Ha! And Lord Jesus, I'm asking for like a double portion nuclear blast to be released on any that are called to be fivefold apostles. Release that on them now. Ha! <laughs> okay, keep your eyes on Jesus. Lay hands on yourself now. The Bible says, fan into flame the gifts of God that are within you through the laying on of hands. Begin to speak to your gifts. Begin to prophesy to your gifts. Begin to lay hands on them and speak to them and say, be stirred up and activated. Come on, speak to them. Don't be weak about it. Speak to your gifts. Say, be activated. Be stirred up in the name of Jesus. Every spiritual gift... Come on, speak to the ones that you have. Speak to them. Lay hands on them. I speak to those revelation gifts. I say, be stirred up. I speak to the working of miracles, faith and healing. I speak to those power gifts and say, be stirred up in Jesus' name. I speak to the leadership gifts and say, be stirred up in Jesus' name. Ha, 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 ha. We speak to the pastoral gifts, the mercy and the serving, and say, be stirred up in Jesus' name. 
Come on, prophesy to them. Speak to them. Say, be activated. Be stirred up. Speak to your own gifts. Say, it's time to get busy in Jesus' name. And now I want you to take the words of Paul. He said, eagerly desire greater. I'm meaning more gifts. Tell the Lord which ones you're after. Say, God, thank you for the ones I've got. But I want to add... And then you put in there what you want. Come on, tell them what you want. What are you worried? You worried someone's going to hear you? Who cares? God, I want faith. God, I want miracles. God, I want the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, prophecy. Come on, tell them what you want. What was on the list that you didn't think you had that you want? Tell them, I want leadership. I want leadership. I want giving and generosity. Come on, what do you want? Tell them what you want. I want the working of miracles. I want the working of miracles. I want healing. Come on, tell them what you want. Tell them what you want. Tell them what you want. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Maybe like me, you're just saying, I just want them all. I just, if you want them all, you can tell them that too. I just want them all. I just want them all. I think there's power in saying the specific ones you want. Oh, God. Let every spiritual gift be active and stirred in the name of Jesus. Okay. Who's done that? Anyone feel anything stirring around as, I was, as we're going through the list? Anyone, anyone have any reactions to any of the gifts? What's your, what's your name back there? Looks like Hamish Carter. Michael, you look like Hamish Carter. You do, eh? You look like you, you look like you could like run and swim and ride a bike really, really well. Good on you, Michael. What did you react to? All of them. Anyone's in particular? Yep. Yep. How'd you go with the working of miracles? Yep. Did you, how'd you go with that? Did you get a reaction to that? Because that's what I see for you. I see working of miracles. Okay. Good. Good on you, Michael. Mate, you got, and leadership, that leadership thing. You know, you know, when a plane is cleared to land, it's like, you know, like the, it's not on the runway, but it's kind of circling to come into land. I feel like leadership is circling you. So you just go, cleared to land. I give you clearance to land. Leadership. Shuka. All right. Who else, who else had some reactions? Okay. Uh, who shall I pick on? You see, what's your name again? What did you react to? Yeah, good. Awesome. Yeah, how'd you go with the mercy thing? Yeah, mercy's, it's like mercy's there. Mercy is there. You got that mercy thing on you. Okay, good. One of these days, I have to tell you the upside and the downside of every gift. Every gift has an upside and a downside. Like often the serving people overwork and burn themselves out. Often the leadership people get bossy. You see what I'm saying? You got to, got to, there's the upside and the downside. Anyone know any leadership people a bit bossy? Yeah, okay. Okay. 